0: Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast.
1: Hello, and a very warm welcome to episode 144 of, I think you know where you are, The Big Cruise Podcast. Uh, My name is Baz, I'm one of your hosts, and it's uh, always a great pleasure to be with you each and every week, bringing you the latest in all things cruise. This week is no different. Chris will be with us in just a moment to bring with him his maritime history, his... uh, occasional listener question. Who knows, you might surprise me with uh, a fact or fiction. Of course, we've got an abundance of cruise news to get through once again. Uh, a very quick thank you to those of you that are listening, liking and subscribing in your various podcast apps. We uh, are really seeing some great engagement across the- different uh, podcast apps that we uh, we hadn't seen before. So thank you for that. And if you happen to have found us and usually listening on a different podcast directory, which we don't appear in, let us know. We can see what we can do about that. Uh, but I think we're certainly in uh, the most popular ones little shout-out this week is, of course, World Ocean Day. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment with Chris and what some of the cruise lines have announced this week. But I think it's probably time. We just get this show on the road. Let's get this ship in the water. Let's let go of those lines and start talking all things cruise. Enjoy the show. Psst, it's me again. How embarrassing. I've just come back because... uh, When I'm editing uh, today's audio, I've just realized that uh, my microphone wasn't connected when Chris and I were chatting, and uh, the audio is uh, not great at all. So apologies for what you're about to hear, but it's about as good as I can possibly make it. I promise you, professional services will resume next episode. (laughs) And once again, we welcome back our good friend, maritime historian, and all things cruise. It is, of course, Chris Frame. Welcome Hello. back, mate.
2: Good to be back, Baz. How are you? It is. Yeah, very good, mate. Yourself? Good. You've been flying across the country again.
1: Yeah, back across to Sydney this week for uh, a brief catch-up with um, some luxury uh, travel advisors and some destination um, marketing people. So, it was, yeah, it was a great catch-up, a great bit of networking, and... Uh, mm. Brief visit and back uh, back over to Perth. Uh, Fantastic. And, yeah, the week's flown by, and here we are doing uh, another podcast, episode 144, mate. Goodness me, 144. Ooh, yeah. We're
2: getting up to 150th soon. Yeah, not
1: far. We probably need to plan something.
2: <laughs> I think so absolutely
1: <laughs> now we did have a list of question that came in um, actually via you they sent this um, yes. of course via, via youtube for you and we're sharing it here on the podcast too this time it came from ed in florida and he mm. asked what was the story behind the whole america lines little cruise ship the princeton dam in the early 2000s what whatever happened to it
2: so this is a good one because this I actually know this one. <laughs> to you. Oh, Would you want to run the segment? <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't know the facts, like
1: the, the dates and oh, no, things. but no, I know. I thought I was
2: going to. I thought I was going to get a, an, an afternoon off. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, yours, mate. you mate. You chime in because you know Holland America well. Um, but as as you'll be aware, Baz, the the ship actually has an interesting background because it um, it started its life with Royal Viking Line. So it was launched uh, in the 1980s, 1988, um, mm-hmm. had, having been custom built for Royal Viking Line, which is a, a shipping company we we don't have in service anymore. But it was mm-hmm. a luxury um, brand. It actually had um, Royal Viking Sun was the the largest and the uh, the newest ship in their fleet when they put her into service, and was um, the one of the highest rated ships in the world, um, regularly awarded. 5 plus star ratings from um, mm. very prominent guides like RAC and Berlitz and that sort of thing. Yep. Um and interestingly enough the ship actually had two two people christen it, um two godparents, uh James and Gloria Stewart, husband oh. and wife acting um duo, uh both uh, American actors and uh it's a as I, I think we alluded to last week that there has been men that have named ships in the past, and this is one mm-hmm. of the ones that actually was in my mind, <laughs> funnily enough, oh, okay. um, because she then went on from Royal Viking Line to uh, end up serving in the Cunard fleet, and with that became one of the only ships in Cunard's heritage to have had a um, a male who christened or named the ship. Mm-hmm. So in 1994, Cunard was – under the control of Trafalgar House Company. Yeah. And Trafalgar House had owned Cunard for a very long time, since the 1970s. And uh, they had sort of expanded the Cunard fleet by acquiring other ships and other shipping lines mm-hmm. and merging their ships into the Cunard fleet. So it might surprise a lot of listeners to know, but in the 1990s, Cunard actually had one of the largest cruising fleets in, in the world. It had um, a whole a raft of cruise ships, but there was a whole mix, mismatch of different types of ships. <laughs> and the Royal Viking Sun was one of these. So basically, they they purchased the Royal Viking brand and, and the Royal Viking Sun when Royal Viking cruise lines um, cl- sort of closed up operations. And the mm. other ships in the fleet were sold off um, ultimately to different shipping lines. Uh, they sold with Norwegian Cruise Line and with um, Star Cruises and uh, ultimately ended up with um, – with Fred Olsen, but the mm-hmm. Royal Viking Sun was sort of pulled out because of her luxury status, and she she sailed with Cunard, and they kept her name. They kept her named as Royal Viking Sun despite the fact she was a Cunard ship, um, and in fact originally started her service under a subsidiary brand called Cunard Royal Viking, and mm. kept yeah they kept the white funnel, and she just looked. Exactly how she did before. Then a little bit later, in I think ninety seven or ninety eight, they actually gave her a, a pretty big refit and painted her funnel in the Cunard colours. But they kept her Cunard name, um, and she sailed with the company right the way through until Carnival acquired Cunard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they did that, they announced Queen Mary two was going to be built. They gave Kiwi two a refit. They refurbished VistaFjord and turned her into Coronia. And then they decided that Royal Viking Sun and Sea Goddess 1 and Sea Goddess 2, which were other ships in the Cunard fleet, they'd move mm-hmm. across to Yeah. So the Royal Viking Sun went across to Seaborn in 1999 and was renamed the Seaborne Sun. Mm-hmm. And um, they actually gave her another refit for this. Um, they actually rebuilt the aft area of the ship to make an indoor-outdoor area. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And she did um, a whole of cruises for Seaborne. In fact, she even did a circumnavigation of South America um, and i I actually have the, the brochure for that in my collection, so mm-hmm. pretty pretty rare um, thing to have because she didn 't stay with Seaborne for very long. Um, back then, she was much bigger than the seaborne ships are uh, were rather at the time these days she 's about the same size as the current seaborne ships, but at the time she was considered to be probably a little bit too big um, for seaborne so in two thousand and two, she was again transferred across to another carnival. Uh, subsidiary, and that's Holland America Line. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so this is sort of when she became a Princeton Dam. She was given oh, the so. that name, historic name for Holland America Line. Um, and she operated as a sort of um, small ship, uh, expedition, exploration ship. So she would do lots of longer duration voyages um, and going to ports that some of the bigger Holland America Line ships um wouldn't wouldn't get into cuz Carnival started to sort of build bigger ships for Holland America yeah, yeah. um after their acquisition. So this ship was only only about 38,000 gross tons 600 and um 70 odd feet about 205 metres long so she's she's a small ship by today's standards. Um and that's when she was operating with um with Holland America. Um did did you ever go on board when she was a whole, Holland America I ship? I did, yeah, yeah. What, what did you and think she- of her in that
1: she was very different to the rest of the fleet, mm. um, but she was so well loved. There was people mm. that would very, very loyal Holland America clients that would only sail on the Princeton Dam and never sail on any other ship. Yeah, um, just little unique features. Um, the the cabins were different to the rest of the fleet. Um yeah. obviously everything was quite intimate. Mm. Um, they did do a couple of changes even while Holland America had a, added an extra pool area to the aft, kind of yep. an extra structure yep. was added. Um, um, but no, I really liked her. I never got to sail on her, but I did inspect her, I think, twice um, and took guests on board back mm-hmm. in the in the former life. And um, yeah, she was beautiful. Yeah, I could really see why people did really, really like her. Yeah.
2: And you know what's interesting um, is that when she was with Royal Viking, she had a extremely loyal following mm-hmm. who actually followed her over to Cunard. Uh-huh. And one of the one of the reasons why Cunard when they acquired Royal Viking Sun they left her basically as she was they did the same thing when they acquired Sagafjord and Vistafjord because they had such fiercely loyal followings Yeah, they didn't want to they kind of behind the scenes they they had thought about painting them in the Cunard col- traditional colors giving them an IA name know, sort of merging into yep. the fleet, but they just were worried about losing those repeat guests over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those same passengers who had been loyal with her, with Cunard, went with her across to Seabourn. And then again, some of them stayed with her in Holland, America. So the ship itself was like the destination yep. and the brand operating it obviously was was sort of secondary to that for some people. And her
1: itineraries allowed people to stay on board for oh, easily three, if not six months, because mm. she never really repeated. She just con- went on a continual Voyage around the world it was never a world cruise as such, but it was a, a, a voyage wasn't it yeah yeah yeah, exactly. yeah
2: yeah she actually even undertook um took cruises to antarctica and um she she actually had quite a low um mast and funnel so she could go under bridges that meant that she could do sort oh, of yeah. more um voyages that go straight into cities and that sort of thing so um she was with Holland America until 2019. They they announced in 2018 that she was going to leave the fleet, mm-hmm. but in 2019 she made her sort of departure, final cruises for Holland America, um, and was transferred across to uh, Phoenix Reisen, where she was given a refit at the Blumen uh, shipyard in Hamburg, uh, mm-hmm. in Germany, uh, and then did cruises out of um, out of German ports for the German market, um, and. I, I seem to remember, Baz, at the time when the announcement was made, there was a lot of a lot of very loyal followers, as you were saying before, that were very very sad to see her go.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, definitely, um, and some of them um, would have gone across to the SNR class ships, which were only a little bit bigger. Um, but as we know, there's not many SNR class ships left with uh, Holland America now. We're pretty much up to the the Vistas and the Pinnacles and beyond.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's this interesting thing that we've sort of seen uh, across. Many of the different brands under the Carnival umbrella is the upsizing of the ships. Um, If you look back at when this ship was in the Seaborn fleet as Seaborn Sun, Mm -hmm. she was so much bigger than the original Seaborn ships and Seaborn Goddess 1 and Seaborn Goddess 2 that she Mm -hmm. stuck out. Nowadays, she's smaller than some of the Seaborn ships. That are that are in service, and the seaborne fleet is obviously much bigger. Holland America has got very few of the small ships, smaller ships left, as you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Cunard's smaller ships, ninety thousand tons. Um, where when she was uh, when 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 uh, Royal Viking Sun was at Cunard, she was one of their biggest. So, you know, even these luxury brands tending to within the Carnival stable, anyway, are tending to get bigger and bigger ships uh, these days.
1: Yeah, and I honestly mm. think this is where Viking is doing so well because they are managing to to build a fleet of ships that are of about a 1,000 passengers or a little under. Mm. Um, and I think that's a little sweet spot for quite a lot of mature cruisers that uh, like the the ships of yesteryear, and that's where Viking yeah. is managing to capture a really good chunk of the market, I think.
2: Because it's interesting, if you think back like a decade and you had uh, Princeton Dam operating uh, about this sort of size, Princeton Dam operating for holland america line then mm. there was um one of uh, maybe one or two, 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 i think it was of the r-class ships were sailing yep. with um princess yep um was it pacific and island princess were, were they i think that's what they um, were
1: i believe so yeah and then obviously azamara had a couple and and Azam- yeah, uh, yeah a couple.
2: azamara has well azamara's got even more now um yeah. because they, they acquired they acquired more and you also had um one of the r-class ships sailing for P&O uk um, all uh, she was Adonia and operating all these sort of smaller ship itineraries, but all those brands now don't have those small ships anymore. Yeah. So yeah. it really is um, sort of a, a line in the sand by the looks of things where it's big ship cruising or small ship cruising and they don't <laughs> seem to be able to blend the two anymore, which is yeah. interesting, interesting mm, little change.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Ed, for, for that question. Um, nice to yeah, hopefully it wasn't too to bring...
2: sprawling an answer. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and uh, well done, Chris, for, for the facts there. Now, I didn't have this planned at all, but a fact or fiction just dropped into my head as we were talking about that. So uh, Ooh, are you, you ready for a fact or fiction boy. for you this time?
2: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think you'll probably know the answer.
2: Okay. Fact or fiction.
1: All right. So the <laughs> previous Princeton Dam to the one that we were just talking about. Now, I, I honestly can't remember how many Princeton Dams have been, but there's been more than one. Um So we were talking about the one that came in in the 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 nineties. There, the one
2: prior to that
1: sank somewhere in the world. Where did it sink?
2: The prior Princeton Dam. It did sink. Mm, Interesting. I've got a couple of thoughts, but I'm going to take a stab in the dark because it's Holland America Line, and I know that the previous Princeton Dam. Used to do Alaskan cruises, so I'm going to say it was in or off the coast of Alaska. Yes, you are right. <laughs> well done. Wow. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's uh, only because you've drilled into me so much over the over the years how, <laughs> how connected Holland America is to Alaska. But I, t- I can't remember. I can't remember why she sank. Um, it
1: was on the 11th of October 1980, only seven years after she was built, actually. Um, and yes, yeah, she mm. sank. Um, I'm going to say just fire? off the coast of it was a fire, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was just off the coast of Skagway, I think, from memory. I'm pulling okay. that from the beyond the back of my uh, my brain there, but um, yeah, it was definitely Alaska. It was just off the coast. Everybody survived. It was all fine, but uh, yeah, they did unfortunately lose the Princeton and down to uh, a popular desolation with the Holland
2: America. I wonder if she's ever been salvaged or like explored. Hmm. Interesting ah. that they used the name again. I guess. Th- I don't know the um the full history. I suppose enough time has elapsed elapsed bef- bef- between uh, the ships. Fact or fiction? Now I actually have a fact or fiction for you as well, and it's another oh, really? America one.
1: Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> okay. trying now if I don't know the answer to this, then I'm in big trouble.
2: Okay, are you ready? Well, it's, it's a it's, an, right. it's a it's a it yeah. You might not, I'm not sure, so you know how there's been lots of different Holland America ships called Rotterdam, mm-hmm. yep, so and that they're basically the the de facto flagship or the flagship of the of the fleet many many times because of how yeah. famous that name is. so the eighteen ninety seven Rotterdam was obviously a very important ship for Holland America line, but she was here's the fact of fiction. she was seized by the British government and then managed by Cunard.
1: Oh. Hmm. Why would the British government seize
2: a oh. Dutch ship? Maybe I'm trying to trick you this time. <laughs> um
1: I'm gonna say fact, but I don't. I honestly don't know. I'm just taking a step in the dark.
2: I really don't know. Oh, uh, well done. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So she sailed with Holland America Line, but then she had um, a number of different um, number of different owners. She was mo- moved around and sold and moved around again, um, and she was sailing um, uh, during well during the, the First World War. She was she was um, in service, and when the Russian. Um, I think it was the October Revolution took place. Um, the ship was, um, invo- you know, it was under Russian control at the time. Um, mm-hmm. The Russian America Line um, was re- operating it, and of course, because the um, the Russian uh, Empire sort of had. Uh, had collapsed, the the British government had the opportunity to to seize the ship, so they did, and they put her into uh, military uh, wartime service under the management of Cunard. So oh, there you go. So There's I thought no it idea. was I thought it was interesting having just um, looked at uh, you know the, the comment that Ed had made and thought an- another Holland America Cunard link. Yeah, um, obviously from way before. Uh, the, carnival the carnival era. Carnival. Yeah, yeah. and you know the interesting thing as well is this particular Rotterdam was built at Holland and Wolf, so it was uh, a, a Dutch ah. ship built in a foreign shipyard, which I thought which was is unusual wasn't it yeah, it was fairly unusual too i mean Holland and wolfe were were a, a pretty big um a, a pretty big builder of of ships, and they did take international orders perhaps perhaps even um more so than some of the other other lines, but um rather other shipbuilders but you know, to have the flagship built um, built in in, uh, in Belfast—that was just sort of another mm. interesting little um, little fact. And at the time, Holland America was known under the acronym of um, NASM. NASM. Yeah, yeah. Supposed to. Wow. Hell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love all this history. Uh, thanks for to Chris once again. Um, we we'll probably should take just a la- very short little break, and then we'll come back with uh, the latest news. I guess.
2: Sounds good.
0: Subscribe now and rate and review on your favourite podcast platform.
1: Okay, Chris, we are recording on Saturday the 10th of uh, June, of course, just a day or so ago. It was, of course, World Ocean Day, celebrated Mm. by anybody kind of associated with anything to do with the ocean. And uh, a lot of cruise lines did uh, come out with some sustainability reports and things. And one that crossed my desk, which uh, I like the, the look of, because it was very short, very sweet. It was mm. really condensed and didn't waffle too much. Was Virgin Voyages, and they've released their new impact report, um, and underlining basically their commitment to sea change. Mm. Some nice little facts in there, Chris. Did you know any of these
2: beforehand? No, I didn't actually. I mean, I have done the the, the Virgin Voyages Sea Academy training, oh, yeah. so. I'm aware of all the different, um, uh, you know, programs that they have, but to see the numbers now after being in service is quite impressive. Um, They've made $5 million worth of in-kind donations to nonprofit organizations throughout 2022. Um, And uh, all four of their ships in their fleet will have shore power installed within the next few years. So they're Mm. going to be able to do the cold ironing in all of the ports. Yeah. Um, and I thought what, one that really stood out for me was 92% of their crew feel connected to their purpose, um, and uh, they believe that the job, their job contributes to delivering an epic sea change for all, as they've put it. So clearly yeah. very high crew engagement, which is great too.
1: Yeah. One that I liked was the 65% of Shore Things tours, which is basically shore excursions, uh, That Virgin contract with local operators, meet or exceed sustainable tourism standards. So, mm-hmm. so well
2: done on that one. I guess they're to um, pushing that to get higher and higher.
1: Yeah, exactly. Of course they will. Um, now, secondly, from Virgin Voices hmm. this week, they did announce that uh, we we spoke briefly about uh, Virgin coming to Australia yeah. uh, towards the end of this year. Yeah, yeah. They have actually uh, announced a bit of a shake-up of some of the itineraries. Uh, in February of 24, um, they have um, cancelled one of the longer voyages to New Zealand and have actually put it in instead – uh, a range of short taster cruises of mm. duration of three to uh, to six nights, which I think is a brilliant idea, yeah, I was just thinking um, that too, because, yeah, it just allows more people to to have that true virgin experience on a short taster yeah. and then go elsewhere in the world. However, I do have this little <laughs> not gripe, we're not gonna complain too much but oh, What oh was it when Didn't you come that
2: segment what has got your ship?
1: oh yeah, I should probably should have saved this saved this for that, but uh, <laughs> we'll we'll just briefly fly through this one. I think if you compare Bimini Island or Ibiza to some of the places they're visiting on the short-tasted cruises here, <laughs> there is no comparison. No disrespect to the people of Burnie or Hobart, but I don't know that you've got the same kind of wow um, or virgin type of uh, experience that maybe would be experienced in the Med in Ibiza or in the, uh, the Bahamas, of course, at uh, mm. Bimini. But I'm glad that they've done the shorter cruises. I just would have hoped that we would have had a... A different port, maybe, but uh, obviously it's very close too. them obviously we'll be working on future yeah. seasons down the track, and maybe there'll be other things in different places in the South Pacific moving forward. Who knows?
2: But, uh, you you yeah. might find, um, and I don't know the, the details. Maybe someone from Virgin can can shout out. But you know, in in Tasmania, there will be some great um, uh, connection there between the eco tourism. Um, angle, but oh, sure. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so maybe 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 that's where they're going to sort of be yeah, able to yeah. pull, pull the um, it just popped into my head then because, um, if you think about their their commitment to trying to do um, as much sustainability as possible, then yeah. there's some really great eco friendly um experiences in Tasmania, so perhaps that's where the yeah, version think, brand will work. I
1: think you might be onto something
2: there, Chris. Well done, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Stab in the dark. <laughs> they just have to send <laughs> us on a trip to Bernie so we can comment for ourselves, Baz.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so just to give the as a little overview: one February is a six-night Melbourne-Sydney-Hobart-Melbourne Melbourne return. Seven Feb is a four-night Melbourne through to Sydney. Uh, Eleven Feb is four-night Sydney-Hobart-Sydney. Fifteen Feb is a Sydney-Berney-Sydney. Sydney. Sydney, sydney. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nineteen Feb is sydney Burnie to Melbourne, mm-hmm. and then the ship then offers a five-night Melbourne return to Tasmania and a four-night. Um, Melbourne, Hobart, Melbourne on the 27th of Feb and then rejoins then its original schedule Mm. from from March onwards so yeah yeah, I'm sure you'll see your your local cruise specialist promoting those uh, as they've only just been released. Yeah how cool. Mm. Now uh, talking about Holland America and talking about Alaska let's head back there briefly Uh, they have been talking up this week uh, the expansion of the Alaska up close across the, the Holland America experience now there is an awful lot of content here. Mm-hmm. I do encourage anybody just to go to the um, the show notes. But in a brief overview, some of the things that they're doing, Chris, uh, mm-hmm. Holland America is the only cruise line that is allowed to uh, use glacial ice in its cocktails on board. I never knew that.
2: Neither did I.
1: No. <laughs> and uh, There's a choice of uh, cocktails that you can choose from uh, featuring this glacial ice. The first one is the Juno Gin and Tonic. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, Produced using local uh, Juno-produced gin. We've got the Alaska Blue Ice, mm-hmm. which is blue Caraco, uh rum, pineapple juice, velvet, something that I can't pronounce, and dry vermouth. Uh, then we've got Blue Iceberg, which is a gin and apricot brandy um, drink. And then we've got Black and Blue, which is a choice of Johnny Walker Black or Jack Daniels Black Label served simply over glacial ice. I wonder,
2: it looks velvet felonum. What is that even? <laughs> no idea. Are you having a look while we? I'm having a look also, quickly. <laughs> it's a it's a liqueur, oh. and apparently it's popular in Barbados. So there you go. Oh. Use in tropical well. drinks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's in I've with never rum and pineapple, heard so that it. would make sense. <laughs> that's new. That's new. <laughs> and of course, they continue to
1: offer the uh, the Dutch hot pea soup on deck when in Glacier Bay. They also have speciality hot coffees and hot drinks available, mm. including the Glacier Bay coffee, which is Bailey's Irish Cream, and Malibu coconut rum to name just mm. a few. Uh, they're bringing all sorts of uh, Alaskan produce on board to enhance the local flavours on board the ship. They've also got uh, a taste of Alaska as a pop up event on uh, a seafood. Boiled pop-up event, I believe, in the Lido Marketplace. Um, they also recommend or also talk of the fact that Hold America, since uh, 2022, has been sourcing all of its uh, seafood and fish that they use on board sustainably uh, from local Alaskan operators. They're expanding the uh, exec talks, uh, the yep. XC sea talks, uh, which bring uh, local um, Huna native interpreters on board to name just a few. And then, of course, they do continue to bring the National Park Rangers, the wildlife yep. experts, And uh, as we've talked about uh, previously, the On Deck for a Cure cause, which is the Mm -hmm. walk they do around the deck, Um, Holland America Mm -hmm. actually does it differently, that they actually partner with people in the places that they are cruising Mm -hmm. with. So in this particular instance, the money uh, does go back to uh, support the Alaskan uh, national parks, of course. Um, So yeah, heaps more information in the show notes if people are interested, but uh, yeah, there's uh, quite a bit going on with Holland America in Alaska.
2: Yeah, yeah. Excellent, and that on deck uh, for a cause is, is great as well because it um, allows passengers to um, make a make a donation, but also compete compete in a non as they say participate <laughs> participate in a non competitive uh, five kilometer um, fundraising walk on the ship. So yeah. it's a nice way to also keep a fit whilst you're cruising around the world.
1: Yeah, it's really popular actually. I, whenever you're on board a Holland America ship, you will always find people wearing the t-shirts and yes. participating. It's uh, very very well attended. Um, so well done, Hal. Now we're heading to the South Pacific next, Chris. Um, a yeah. ship that we will know locally down here because it's got a very strong connection with an Australian operator, mm-hmm. the Caledonian Sky, uh, has uh, or will be uh, transferred over to Captain Cook Cruises Fiji for a, a new season commencing 11 yeah. November of this year.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, she's replacing the Reef Endeavour, which has been running for Captain Cook in Fiji for a while. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, it starts off in eleventh uh, of November, twenty twenty three, with sailings from Nandi, um, and she will obviously she's a she's got more amenities and she's a, a more sort of um, look a, a step up in terms of the 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 amenities and facilities on board as well. So it's going to be great for people to have a a bit of a you know chance to try the new ship in Fijian waters. Um, she's only got one hundred and fourteen passengers on board, so there's fifty seven. Uh, Ocean View Suites, Baz, so nice and um, intimate experience on board the ship as well. Um, And many of them have – well, actually, actually, I think all of them have their own private balconies um, and an alfresco dining option as well as a sky deck.
1: Mm. No, the the cabins on that particular ship are actually very, very spacious, probably some of the largest kind of leading cabins I've I've ever seen, actually. So uh, should be very well loved in that particular part of the world. And I'm sure we'll be missed by the, the loyal APT passengers, which have cruised on her locally in the Kimberley and down to New Zealand and in her, in her former life as well. So well done to Captain Cook. Sounds good. Now, our friends at Norwegian Cruise Line this week were talking about uh, expanding their immersive offerings ashore, Chris. Again, lots of information on this one. Yeah. But I think if we just take the, the highlights there, uh, they're basically introducing uh, six new categories of shore excursion to mm-hmm. allow I guess to identify with the type of activity they would want to undertake is probably the easiest way to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. What have we got first?
2: They got one called Beyond Blueprints, which is a selection of um, uh, 15 tours that are looking at design secrets from some of Europe's, Europe's rather most um, you know, significant uh, architectural buildings and landmarks. Um, mm. so in different places: um, Lisbon, Belfast, Amsterdam, Copenhagen, uh, Oslo, Helsinki. Um, uh so one of the ones that sort of stuck out to me was the Riverside Museum um, and Glasgow Science Museum in Glasgow, because mm. obviously the, the you know, history and science uh, background is, is quite uh, exciting there. But um, it sounds really cool because they, they t- sort of put this focus on some of the architectural um, landmarks that you'll be seeing in the places that you're visiting, but really letting you have that kind of deep understanding of what it is you're going to be looking at.
1: Yeah, the next one I think will be popular as well uh, gourmet tours. Everybody's obviously into sampling the local cuisine when they're in these uh, destinations and trying to immerse themselves with the, the local tastes. Um, this has got anything from port to port cooking classes to uh, uh, dining with a, a family homestead mm. to mean just a few things. And they've got a couple of examples here. Um, there's uh, one that jumps out with me, uh, with my love of all things Barcelona, the seasonal gastro cultural experience <laughs> in Barcelona.
2: Nice. The next one uh, they've got is a a program called Go Local, which is um, basically allowing you to uncover um, rhythms and customs of local destinations and life throughout the Mm -hmm. different areas. So kind of immersing you in the way that people live and eat and play and work uh, in these different areas. And it's not just in Europe, it's throughout Asia, South America and South Africa as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they've nominated a couple of examples in, in Europe for all these because they've got a, you know, a, a large chunk of their fleet over there now the, the next one is mm. uh, let's take a selfie yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this is allowing you to, uh, to get that iconic Instagram photo uh, yep. away from the, the crowds um, and uh, they will teach you how to perfect that perfect angle in those picture-perfect mm-hmm. spots mm-hmm. in places such as Santorini in the Greek Isles, San Thomas in the Virgin Islands, and Cartagena mm-hmm. in uh, Colombia. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, the last one on the list is, of course, small group tours, which are, yep. are pretty popular everywhere. For
2: sure. You were speaking now, about next. Viking Viking just a minute ago. Now we've got a, oh, we a little story about Viking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now,
2: uh, this week, they
1: actually uh, named the next ship in the, the fleet, Chris. We're talking, of course, about Viking Saturn, who was christened in New York City.
2: Yes, uh, by Anne Ziff, the godmother of the of the ship. Um, mm. And uh, she's a dedicated philanthropist focused on the arts, culture, education, and environmental conservation. So a good, uh, good choice there by sounds of things.
1: Yeah, exactly, and of course, Viking Tacton is identical to all of her previous uh, sisters that have, have come out, uh, to name just a few: Viking Star, Viking Sea, Sky, Orion, and Jupiter, and Venus, and Mars, and Neptune. <laughs> um, and actually, the uh, the the head of uh, Viking this week was uh, interviewed by a maritime publication and said that um, there will be more ocean ships coming. Um, they will be a slightly bigger, a uh, you know, slight increase in size but a minimal increase in passenger numbers. There's yeah. just a requirement to be a slight bit longer and a slight bit wider to meet some new uh, maritime regulations that are coming in. But he's, sure. he's confident that uh, cruising is strong and he's uh, ordering more ships uh, as we speak to to be ready for the, the continued growth.
2: Cool. These ships are 47,800 gross tons and um, 465 cabins. Nine hundred and thirty guests, and uh, I love the little note that they've given us here, uh, classified as small ships. So it just goes mm-hmm. to show that a, a ship with the tonnage, you know, bigger than the Royal Viking Sun, for example, is today considered small ships. Nice little link back with yeah. that maritime history segment we had earlier.
1: Yeah, but not too many more passengers, I think. From remembering remembering the Prince Lindam, from memory, I think she was about eight hundred and something mm. passengers. Yeah, so yeah. Not so very too many spacious more. ships.
2: They must mm. be these Viking ships. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, next up, we're talking uh, closer to home with celebrity. Of course, they're getting very excited about the, mm. uh, the impending arrival of Celebrity Edge down under, um, and uh, reminding us about some of the differences in the accommodation that can be can be found on board. Now, mm. again, we're not going to go through every single category because there's just too much yeah. to to go through. But uh, I'm getting pretty excited about Celebrity Edge uh, heading down, and uh, hopefully, uh, we'll try and get to experience her at some point. Uh, yeah,
2: what's uh, what stands out on this ship for you, Chris? Uh, I think the the um, infinite veranda staterooms sound really cool. They, mm. They're significantly um, larger by the sounds of things. Um, one of the points that's uh, been sort of shared out to the world is that the design of them has comfort sort of as the central focus. And there's something like 23% more square meterage within. Um, the, the cabin footprint, what you would find on a norm, normal stateroom, a veranda stateroom mm. suite, um, and uh, the bathroom is another one, 10% larger, and that's pretty significant because n- not maybe with the highest level of cabins, but one of the biggest bugbears I think a lot of people have with cruise ships is how some sort of tiny some of the bathrooms can be in some of the cabins. So anything that gets mm. more space on board uh, for, for uh, more space in the bathroom is, is probably something that people really enjoy.
1: Exactly. So Celebrity Edge is arriving down here in December of 23. We'll sail through to April of 24. Uh, with There's 12 different uh, departures um, with a array of sailings from mm. six to
2: 13 nights. There's a whole episode about Celebrity Edge and an interview with Captain Kate in the back catalogue, isn't there?
1: Oh, yeah. I have to dig out the exact episode. In fact, I'll yeah. put a link mm. in the show notes. But yeah, that was back in the... The early days of the pandemic, so the, the news segment of that episode will be very outdated, but the, yes. the interview with Captain Kate will uh, will still be as, as relevant, and uh, she did everything that she said in that uh, episode when she was able to welcome guests back to sea. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pop the link in the show notes for that one. Yeah.
2: be interesting one day to sort of look back and go, what was making news when we started the podcast? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, quite changed. a few episodes to get through, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I now mean, that's all we've got in cruise news for this week but no doubt you will uh, have something either just about to hit the uh, the youtube channel or something uh, coming in the not too distant future anything you can share with us just yet
2: yes so the latest one which has just gone up uh, onto my youtube channel um, that's youtube.com slash chris frame official and it talks about a very visible but sometimes poorly understood design feature of the queen mary two.
1: Mm. Okay, I haven't seen that one yet, so I'll uh, dig oh. that one out tomorrow. I think. And I then, should have uh,
2: done that as a fact or fiction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I'll enjoy that over a coffee tomorrow. I reckon.
2: Ah, oh, sounds good. It has to be a quick coffee. It's a it's a pretty fast, punchy little video, but okay. um, yeah. I I hopefully I mean a lot of people will if you've travelled on Queen Mary two, I guarantee you you've seen this thing, but you might not know what it is or what oh. its function is. So
1: okay there you go i'm excited yeah mm. i look out for that and of course the link is always in the show notes to chris's youtube channel and have a look at not only that video but uh, the massive back catalog we talk about 144 episodes on here but there's uh, way more videos than that on chris's youtube channel that you can uh spend a whole weekend enjoying if you want to oh thanks Baz. <laughs> <laughs> so mate we will catch up no doubt a similar time next week mm. enjoy your week what's left of the weekend and uh, we'll catch up uh, same time again
2: sounds good see you then
0: That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage.